0: Hi my name is Lydia and I'm Emma and we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. well hello everyone and welcome back to the holy ship podcast we are so excited today we are being joined by clinton and charity muñoz who are the founders of restored to more a nonprofit organization they focus on restoring marriages to wholeness in christ after they have been affected by pornography and sexual brokenness their vision is to equip marriages to experience restoration rebuild connection and reflect god's design for marriage Today, they use their podcast, courses, and reels on Instagram to help couples become restored to more. So we are so excited to have them in our porn season just to talk a little bit more about that. So welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. We're stoked to be here.
0: So could you just start off a little bit by telling us uh, more about yourself and more about your story? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first of all, we've been married
2: for eight years. Uh we have three little boys and um all under the age of five. So five year old, oh, wow. three-year-old, and a two-year-old. So they keep us really, really busy, but it's also really fun. But <laughs> we just drink lots of coffee.
1: <laughs> lots of coffee. Like two or three a day. That's yeah. not an underestimated <laughs> statement. It's not even coffee, it's all espresso, just yeah. straight up shots. Yes. <laughs>
2: um we like to have a lot of fun in our house and um there's a lot of hope in our home now Mm -hmm. today than there was gosh five no six years ago yeah so um want to start
1: sure yeah basically yeah I heard you do you say you're like a a porn like season or like a series or is that what you guys are doing right now
0: yeah we're in the middle of our porn season sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) I knew what you meant. You're good. Um, No, that's cool. That's cool. You guys are doing that. Um, Yeah. So basically pornography for me became a big vice at a very young age. I was 11 years old when I first uh, started seeing pornography. I was going through a lot of childhood trauma. Uh, We just moved to a new area, um, like a totally different part of the state of California. And I was super lonely. My mom was really sick with pneumonia. My dad was in between jobs. I had like zero friends. And I was always like this quirky kid, like I'm a goofball. I was a class clown. And so I just felt like I never really fit in with the new community that I moved to. And I just felt really isolated. And so pornography became a solution to the problem of me feeling unwanted, unliked, unaccepted, unlovable. And we find that's the case a lot. Like we tell people like pornography and and sexual addiction becomes an illegitimate solution to a legitimate problem. And that's what was going on. I was just, I was going through a lot of stuff in my life and pornography seemed to solve all those problems. It became a great way to soothe, a great way to escape all those issues. And it continued to, to get worse and worse. In the beginning, it was very much like softcore pornography. And then I got into hardcore pornography. And uh, I ended up acting out in uh, on a mission trip my first year of college when I was 18 years old. Uh, pursued a prostitute and and had my first sexual experience. I hadn't had sex before and stuff like that. And that was a pretty big bummer to lose your virginity like that. And, um, and so then I carried that into marriage. I, it got, it got somewhat better where it wasn't as acting out like that, but that's probably because I was on this journey with the Lord. And then I met Charity. I definitely didn't tell her how big of a struggle it was. I kind of suppressed it. And I really loved her. I mean, I wanted to marry her. So I thought if I If I tell her how big of an issue this is, she like, she won't want to marry me. You know, that was, that was the core belief my whole life. That if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me, they wouldn't accept me. So I just became somebody totally different on the outside than I was behind closed doors or in a dormitory. And so I was leading worship. I was leading small groups. I was the guy that I was, I was like, I don't know. I had it going on, man. I had a lot of stuff going on. I became like the poster child for the university I went to. And, uh, and so what happened was as we got married, things got really triggered. A lot of guys that start with pornography have what's called like an intimacy disorder. And we don't know how to process things that are just our own intimacy. And so as we began to build a relationship and we began to be intimate sexually, intimate emotionally, intimate physically, spiritually, recreationally, I just had so much shame. I just felt like, man... That's great that Charity loves this version of me, but she doesn't really know me. She doesn't know how evil my thoughts are, how ugly my thought life is. If she really found out who I was, man, she wouldn't want to be with me. And that just that shame was just it just gripped my heart. And so I went back into my addiction. I went back to using pornography. I started implementing strip clubs and massage parlors and stuff that is just horrific to look back on. It's like, wow, is that really even me? Like, you know, how did I get there? And inevitably, you know, like every person, they get found out, you know, you get discovered one way or another. And, uh, and that's what happened. Charity found some stuff on my phone one morning and um, you can, you want to jump in there?
2: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, um, I had found a bunch of porn on his phone and I was like, there's no way this is him. Like, you know, you just, initially you just go through a lot of shock and you like question, like this can't really be my husband. Like I know my husband and this is Mm -hmm. not him. And, and so there was a lot of disbelief, kind of like denial-ish. And then um, I kind of just started going into discovery investigator mode because I was like, well, if this is him, then I need to know who this man is. Yeah. And what I found just like horrified me because mm-hmm. I found everything that he had just said. And uh, I just was like, I want a divorce and um, I don't want to be married to you, You've yeah. been unfaithful. you've cheated on me. And uh, he was like, no, I'll do whatever I can. And unfortunately, the first advice we got was not the best. first advice was have more sex um, with him, Charity. And we we took that advice. I mean, he was a pastor. So you would think that a pastor um, has gone to school, been educated, um, has sound wisdom. And so we took it. And for me, that was his advice. And then for Clinton, his advice was memorize more scripture, which made him start questioning his salvation. Am I saved for doing this stuff? And it just really put us in a deep deep hole of darker shame yeah. and like, wow, I, I'm not enough. I'm not worth fighting for what's wrong with me. And I also thought, man, if I can't be the solution to his problem, yeah. something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's just so much like lack of feeling of unworthiness and, um, yeah, we were just at a really, really lost place.
1: Yeah. And so I think chair I and I tell us, we can stop anytime or interrupt us. <laughs> But we just felt like, you know, we now we both had more levels of shame. I ran back to my addiction. Charity had all the shame now because she was trying to meet my needs. She thought this was a lot of people think sexual addiction is about sexual needs and and sex is not a need. It's not a biological need. You don't die if you don't have sex. And so we didn't understand any of that. So we started um, after a couple of years, Charity reached another breaking point. It was like, hey, if you don't change, I'm out. And we had had a child at this point. Our oldest son was, I think, uh, a year and a half. Our second kiddo was on the way, uh, almost born. And I just, I, I, it wasn't like I never wanted to change. I just didn't know how. Like I literally was like repentant. I was sorry. I just like, I don't know how to change. And, and I didn't believe I could change. I don't know. For me, there was a lot of struggle with the Lord. I mean, we're just spiritually confused. Like, man, God, where are you? And why aren't you fixing me? I'm here asking you to help me. Like, where the heck are you and that was a whole other spiritual journey of our walk but so um we ended up seeking out more advice and this time god delivered some people that really helped us out so gave us some advice to go to plug into addiction recovery groups charity to go to a betrayal trauma group uh she ended up going to this and just this journey began of us learning what restoration really looks like learning what pornography does to the brain, learning what betrayal trauma even is, learning about an intimacy disorder, learning about the chemical dependency that is developed with pornography, all these different things that we'd never learned before. It was a big journey of recovery. It didn't happen overnight, but it was uh, baby steps at a time. And, and God did a mighty work as we continue to show up for sure.
3: Wow. Well, first of all, I just wanna say how amazing it is to have, you know, Men like you and women like you, Charity, who actually talk about this stuff and bring it to light. Um, in some previous episodes that we've uh, recorded, we've talked with people about how this is something that the enemy wants kept in the darkness. And so not very many people talk about it or bring it to light or just, you know, feel like it's impossible to do. So it's just, it's so great to hear. Um, especially your story. And uh, I mean, I guess my next question would be, how did this lead you to starting Restored to More?
2: Yeah, such a great question. Um, so Clinton was going to his groups. I was going to my groups. Um, but what we found it out is um, we would want to come home and share with each other, like, all of the new things that we're learning because once you go down a recovery journey you start learning so much about who you are why you do things um childhood trauma and um, you really i mean transform and honestly become the best version of yourself i kind of think that everybody yeah. should be in a recovery
1: program yeah. <laughs>
2: um, because true. it really plays you open and it reveals things inside of you and i'm really grateful for the journey that we went on and what i would I want to take it back the pain and everything? No way. Would I ever wish this on any marriage? No way. But I really am grateful for it kind of filleting us open. Mm-hmm. And then as choosing into, instead of putting everything back and zipping it back up and pretending that it's not there, we decided to leave it on the floor and start working through our junks so that we could become a new person. And so I'm really grateful for that. But in that process, um, we were learning so much about each other that we'd come home and we'd want to share with each other, all of our new experiences and what we found is that every time we communicate, we would get into an argument. And every time we communicated, he would not understand like what I was going through. And I would not understand what he was going through. And he wanted me to like celebrate his victories. And he's like, hey, I think for my 90 days of sobriety from not looking at porn, that I should get a watch. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, what about all my years of faithfulness? Where Were you sending me a trip to Mexico, Hawaii? Like, what do I get? And he was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. So don't, you're not getting nothing. You know, and I think there was just such a, there was such a lack of understanding on both of our ends on what the other person was going through um, and just such unhealthy expectations in our relationship. And so we were just like, where do we even begin? How do we talk again? Our whole relationship just blew up and we didn't want the old relationship because the old relationship was It had secrets. There was deception. There was compartmentalization. So it was kind of like we had to start getting to know each other all over again, date each other all over again. Um, And we both were very slow with the process and willing to go through the process, but there was nothing out there. You guys, like we would, we would go to our groups and we would ask people who had been there for a couple of years and say like, Hey, how's your marriage? And They just their responses were really negative and demotivating for Clinton and I. And we're like, yeah, we like, are we the only ones? Like, you know, we would see these couples who had gone through. We knew they had gone through what we had gone through, but we didn't know how they got there. We're like, how'd you get there? How'd you rebuild trust? How did you feel safe again? How are you like going on dates again? How are you like loving each other and having sex again? Because that's a whole new thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, we were like, we 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 want to be the couple we want to be the couple who, um, is at the end of a tunnel for another couple. And they're like, man, if they can do it, we can do it. And they're willing to share us how they got there. And Mm -hmm. so, um, it's kind of why and where Restored to More started. We were like, Hey, let's just share our story on the podcast. And we had no idea Restored to More would be where it's at today. Not even like the vision. This was not the vision at all. Um, and it, we just feel so blessed that God has like kept on expanding expanding, and more couples have reached out and said like, we need more, so. Mm.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. Do you guys have a lot of um, like dating couples also come to you or is it primarily married?
1: Yeah, well, well, the good news is we feel like we are, our audience is very wide. Uh, we feel like we cater to most of the younger generation that's going through this. You know, that's kind of where we try to target Uh, all that we do, because that's where we were at. We were, we were married at 22 years old. Uh, We were having this issue at 24 was the first time charity found out. And so it was really that mid twenties journey of like, wow, how do we navigate this? And as, yeah. And so we get a lot of reach outs from people that are dating or they're engaged. Uh, They want to work through these issues before it turns into something worse in their marriage. And gosh, we're like, man, come on, like mad respect for a couple that reaches out early on in their relationship or earlier on in their life, because, man, I'm, I'm so thankful that our marriage didn't blow up when we are 50, mm-hmm. you know, and gosh, that would have been a mess, you know, and so we're grateful that we can, and to be honest, maybe it was like self-serving in a way, because we have the best marriage we've ever had today, mm-hmm. and we're, we're 31 years old, which I know is so old compared to 23, but right, but like, we're just getting started with this whole life of a great marriage, a marriage where we're honest, where we're transparent with one another, where there isn't secrets, where we can thrive and, and build a life for ourselves. And so we're grateful for that.
2: Yeah, we had a we had a couple in our last course who actually were, um, but before our course, I think they had, discuss, they sorry, I think they were engaged or about to be engaged.
1: Yeah, they were about to be. They
2: were like looking at rings and then discovery day happened. So they put the whole thing on pause and then they joined our course and we just found out that they got engaged um this past week or yeah like this past week and they're so excited and i just think like gosh that just gets us so excited so yes we totally work with couples who are dating and engaged and i don't think there's anything better and gosh i wish we would have gone through something like this yeah so
3: yeah wow that's that's so good to hear um So I just want to backtrack a little bit to the beginning part of your story with, um, the pastor that you went to for advice on like how to move forward. Um, you know, how did, I guess, one, did you stay in that same church or, um, how did you go from that advice to, you know, going to your respective groups and, Further, like how did that advice affect your sex life? How did porn affect you know that part of your relationship? Sorry, it's like a very big, broad question, but I wanna start there. Yeah. You want to go?
2: Doesn't matter. You,
1: can. you want me to go? Yeah. Uh <laughs> sure. Um yeah, the passion advice was terrible. I mean, it was terrible advice. I know it was well meaning and he and he meant well, but that's horrible advice. You know, yeah. it just I think sometimes and I, I, I have a respect for pastors. My dad was a pastor and I think pastors feel like sometimes they have to give an answer. Like it's their job to know a little bit about everything. And I think that's where we really got to be careful with all of us. Charity and I, we know our boundaries. We know our limits. We are not professionals. We're not counselors. We talk to counselors. We, we work with counselors because they are the professionals in that area. And we refer out all the time. We know what to say no to because that isn't our area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And we think it's really important that everybody kind of understands their lane. And w- okay, what what can you teach on? And what can you not teach on? And so we really wish that he had just told us, hey, like, I'm not a professional in this area. And I can refer you to somebody that is, it's good for us to all know other professionals in different areas, so we can refer them out yes. to what they need. Um, BA yeah, greatly affected us, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, sex is just such a crazy thing. You know, we, we feel very blessed to be more educated on it today than we ever have been, but we never saw sex as in alignment with God. With God, like we didn't realize that God created sex to be this enjoyment, beautiful thing. Uh, enjoyed by two people in the bond of covenant that sex is really the the cherry on top of intimacy when you have a healthy relationship and you're committed to one another in the bond of marriage and you're loving each other and you're honest and you're transparent and you're learning how to have fun together sex is the way to celebrate your covenant and your marriage relationship charity married me and she she didn't really want to have sex ever you know she was like i remember her saying she could go years without having sex well man talk about the biggest like buzzkill ever just telling their husband you could go without having sex you're like wow so sex is just like something you do and she's like yeah i just do it for you you know and that's so lame like that's what that sucks like you know like we as guys want to have like amazing sex that where you're enjoying it and i'm enjoying it and we're engaged and this is fun it's adventurous and-
2: but we come from this culture that is so hush hush with yeah. sex yeah. so yeah. i have so much past sexual brokenness in my totally. past Um, and so all I had learned honestly about sex was I had a purity ring. I got made fun of for my purity ring. So I took off the purity ring, Mm -hmm. then lost my virginity and was finding my worth in guys. And then I just felt tons of shame about it Mm -hmm. because all I knew was don't have sex and, you know, don't be promiscuous and, um, only save it for your marriage. And so (laughs) literally that's all I'm taught I mean so then we get married and our culture again is like all men struggle with porn and porn is just something you have to deal with and it's a struggle and um I was never taught that women desire sex were created for sex love sex um have you know, just like desires and get turned on like guys do. I mean, I didn't even understand any of that. Nobody ever taught me that my body also had parts that were made from God to enjoy sex ever until all this crap hit the fan. It's like, are you kidding? I'm in my mid twenties and I'm learning about this stuff. You know, I'm already married. I've already had kids. (laughs) I know how it works, but like, I'm not enjoying it the way that God intended it. No. And so, yeah, we just, we knew, we were using it for one purpose, but that w- there's so many other purposes to it. and so yeah. you know I think our culture just really does um, a crappy job on educating women that you can enjoy sex not just for men yeah and you're not there to just like be there you're beck and call for your husband whenever yeah, sex
1: isn't it. a prevention from looking at pornography like no even for me, charity, I I don't use sex in our relationship because I'm horny. And I want to go look at porn. In fact, right. if I did that, that would be so dangerous to our, to our intimacy and our unity that we've created.
2: But our culture preaches that. Totally. Yeah.
1: yeah. If I'm, if I'm shown with, with temptation, I need to go talk to God. I got to call a buddy. I gotta, I gotta walk through the fantasy of, of what am I even fantasizing about? And why am I going there? And why do I want to go there? Is it medicating another area of my life? Am I going back and just using sex? sex was never meant to be used it was meant to be enjoyed in the right context and i think we missed that so much
3: to build on what you guys were uh saying previously we saw one of your reels that said you went 90 days without sex um to help that rewire the brain like how does that um process work is it really challenging is it beneficial is there like a um like a cycle throughout the days or, yeah, tell us a little bit
1: about that. It's a great question. Uh, We get this question a lot. That real, rat, real was kind of like a lot of people were like, whoa, what the heck is that about? And, uh, and so it's twofold, right? We know that a brain that is consistently being hit with all the different chemicals that are released during pornography and masturbation it becomes dependent on those. It doesn't know how to function really without those. And so much like a cocaine addict, somebody who is addicted to methamphetamine, uh, it can be just as strong as those. In fact, there's even parts of it where it can be more addicting because you can get high without even using pornography, just in the adrenaline rush and the anticipation of it all. And so, um, I don't, I'm not very good at all the technical terms. I'm good when I'm reading it. Cause I have written them down multiple times, mm-hmm. but all I know is it's basically a concoction. Like, you know, that there are certain, I, I may, I shouldn't know. There's certain drinks out there that are like the when, drinks you want to stay away from all of those, like charity probably knows them better than I did. She was, she worked in bartending for a little while. What's that one? Like the,
2: I think it was like, um,
1: whatever those drinks are called where you mix every kind of alcohol together.
2: Yeah no islander I don't know yeah
1: some island thing yeah. some island thing and the you long do, island oh, ice those. tea There, you go. there, That's there it. you go you do one of those <laughs> you're done you know what i'm saying how do You know that Lydia <laughs> Yeah how do you know that Lydia Come on uh, right hey I'm just messing <laughs> oh right but so i think it's so i think it's understanding that there is a concoction of different things mm-hmm. get released in the brain mm-hmm. during the whole process of anticipation uh, of 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 learning about where i can find it thinking about it um going and accessing it, uh, having a climax with an orgasm, and then even the drugs that hit afterward. And so when we abstain from that, we are kind of, we are resetting the brain. So it's very important for somebody who's never gone 90 days without sobriety from that Mm -hmm. drug, from those different drugs to kind of set that tone of, Hey, we're going to abstain from this for a while and not engage in any kind of sexual activity. We don't, we don't engage in, in any kind of oral sex. We don't engage in any kind of really sexual touching each other. Like we're not doing any of that because we're trying to trying to get off of that drug. And so that's a big portion of it. The other side of that coin is that we know that Paul talks about in the Bible, uh, talking about abstaining from sex for a little while so that, that the couple can commit to prayer. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's not just abstaining from something, but it's actually going towards something else. And so I'll let Cherry talk about that because we really believe that a couple should abstain from that for a little while, but then replace that habit with other things that are life-giving and helpful to the relationship.
2: Yeah. It's learning how to be intimate in other ways because there's so many different levels of intimacy right when we say intimacy everybody always just assumes sex because that's the word that we've you know again our culture has just coined and so it's really not true there's so many um different levels of intimacy i mean really intimacy just means into me you see meaning you know everything about me and i'm not hiding anything and so um what that means is Clint and i would you know we we we're like okay well if we're not if we're going to put a pause on sexual intimacy then what other areas of intimacy during that time can we do and so um rather than us maybe you know when we would have been sexually intimate now we are reading a book together or maybe we are playing a card game together or maybe we are learning a new hobby together and we you know we some of the things that we filled our time with was um when quarantine you know right away it came out um we were like well we're bored and we want to build our intimacy so let's get on tiktok and so we were the one of the couples that was on tiktok and um we had so much fun we had it was totally building our intimacy in a creative sense um we were goofing around and we were just having so much fun and so okay
1: um, we gotta share our clean to fame it's a sure. big deal you know sure. go for we it. had a video go viral hit three and a half million we got put <laughs> on, word we got put on uh ridiculousness with robert deardrick so that was really cool and we basically are famous on mtv so pretty exciting <laughs> incredible that that shows every like few months and i have a friend hit me up like bro just saw you on ridiculousness and i'm like yeah that's me bro that's
2: <laughs> so you never know maybe you'll get famous for
0: one of the interviews that
1: is so funny but That's yeah, we just it was so fun
2: it was, it was like, such a great time Yeah, it was just
1: such a great time connecting
2: and it, it it allowed me to know like oh wow we can connect and it doesn't have to be sexual and yeah. same with him And it it became a very sweet time that we look back in our relationship, and um, we are so grateful that we did that. You know, sometimes we even just prayed together for a longer time, or maybe we just listened to worship music, or we read the Bible, or there's so many different ways you can build your intimacy, Mm -hmm. and especially when something like sexual intimacy has been so tainted and distorted, you need... To see it through a new lens and the only way that we believe you're going to see it through a new lens is kind of taking a step back and looking at it sober-minded right because if you are on those drugs um you are not sober-minded when clinton was abstaining yes there was ups and downs and roller coasters because he was used to numbing this you know whatever feeling came up but he learned, he, he, it gave him an opportunity to learn how to um, communicate through his feelings rather than coping with them through unhealthy ways, right? And yeah. unhealthy habits.
1: Yeah, I think just to add to what you're saying, when, when we learn to be sober and we learn to realize we don't need sex, we were using it, we then can view sex through God's lens mm-hmm. and through the through a biblical perspective. And that's our hope is that yeah. really 90 days of abstinence is important but it's just the first step. Once you're sober minded, now you can actually learn new things. You can be open-minded. You're not going to have this drug dictating your life. And because it controlled my life, pornography controlled my life. I mean, it's, it's crazy to say that I was using it almost every single day. I was using it at workspaces. I was using it at work computers. I was on my phone all the time. I was, you know, all these things that I couldn't escape it. And so once I learned how to escape it, it was like, Oh my gosh, I have my life back. Like I literally have my life back. I mean, that's why you know it sounds like a drug addiction. Cause that sounds like a drug addict. Like I got my life back. Like that's what it felt like though. It controlled my life. I was consumed by thinking about where am I, where am I gonna go next? What am I gonna see next? What am I gonna look up next? What's the next adventure? What's the next thing I'm gonna be exposed to?
2: And it gave you confidence and belief that like you didn't have to yep. like it go wasn't there. gonna, yeah, like we always joke yeah. about it, but like his. Body part was not going to fall off, you know, if he didn't use it for ninety days, and he truly like did not know if he could survive. <laughs> Which sounds crazy, yeah. but he was like, "Okay, if Jesus could do it, then I can do it." You know, like he not didn't just Jesus, die. Thousands of
1: people,
2: yeah, but he didn't die. <laughs> just you know, not me. I just wasn't
1: sure I was going to make it. <laughs> not being
2: sexually intimate, and so it gave him a lot of belief and hope. He's like, "Oh my gosh, if I can do this ninety days, like
3: I can do forever." Yeah, I
1: can do, do it, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah.
2: 90 days is a really long
0: time.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For somebody who's, yeah. Yeah, big time.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm curious. Do you still struggle with porn then? And like, what has the process been like if you have of like, do you have to like do 90 days each time? Like, you, sh- like how does that like work?
1: It's a great question. Well, thank God that I don't struggle with pornography anymore. There, I feel like what happened over time was, I learned how to live without it. I learned. I learned how to replace. I, again, if pornography is just a symptom, and it's not the true diagnosis, there's an there's an underneath diagnosis of why I'm using pornography in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there are definitely attractive components of pornography. I mean, seeing two naked people or a naked woman or a naked man, like there is something that is attractive about that, especially in the way they make it out to be. Um, It's as you're watching sexual intercourse. I mean, that's something that you're not supposed to even be seeing other than your own wife in your your context of marriage. And so there's something that's like, wow, like I'm drawn to that for sure. But over time, I think for me, what happened was I learned what I was medicating. And when I when I got healing from the Lord and from community and from people in those areas, there was much less of a pull towards pornography, especially when I knew the damage it was causing my wife. We also put things in place like that were healthy consequences. I knew that if I were to relapse, I I was becoming an unsafe person because it wasn't just the pornography. It was the lying. It was the habitual uh, uh, gaslighting, all the things I was doing to charity. So if, if I were to go back to that, I know that she would leave. She'd be counseled to leave. She would. We, our kids would be from a divided home. There's all these negative consequences now that I can more be aware of because I'm sober minded versus before. But I would still say there are different struggles, right? And so I had to find out what were those struggles that needed to be healed in order for me not to be pulled back to pornography. Because what was happening, which is crazy, is a great question, Lydia, is that I found that even without pornography... I can I can develop new ways of handling my sure. the unhealed areas of my life. Mm-hmm. I can become a workaholic. I can become a per, somebody all about performance and money making. Mm-hmm. I can be somebody who struggles with, with with overeating and have an addiction to food. I can mm-hmm. struggle with, with having an appearance and being at the gym every single day and and looking jacked and, and because now I want to be achievement there and I found myself being drawn to those things I mean Charity mm-hmm. will tell you during our during my my really the whole restoration process, I was like drinking alcohol and I was like, oh, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm seeing how I want to go to alcohol. Oh, I'm seeing how I want to go to workaholism and I'm seeing how I want to go to performance. I'm seeing how I want to go to like hobbies and make them into this new God that I worship. And so I had to be very careful of those things. And the question would do you still struggle? Well, I, I haven't struggled with pornography in a while now, but I still struggle with lust. I mean, I, gosh, it's, I still notice a beautiful woman when she walks by, but I try to keep it at that. Like like when someone walks by, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, she is a beautiful woman, and that's it. I don't need to go anywhere else. I don't need to, to go anywhere to fantasy land. I can just acknowledge that and, and move on. And so I think it's learning that. But I also find that if I'm drawn to something more than that, there's probably something else underneath. And most of the time, it's simple things like stress or not feeling loved by charity. Like I'm feeling kind of abandoned by her. Maybe she's really busy. Maybe I'm feeling really stressed out financially. Like, I don't know where, how to take care of my family. You know, maybe I'm feeling like I'm not a good parent right now and I'm doing a bad job raising my kids. I'm feeling shame for that. There's all these under, maybe I, maybe my friend group isn't like, we're not super tight, so I'm feeling kind of lonely. Those are the reasons why I would go back mm-hmm. to medicating those really underlying issues. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So in our boundary season, we talked with someone about boundaries in marriage and how like that even relates to TV. And I guess I'm like curious how do like sex scenes and like movies or TV shows play. Like, do you like, or like soft fast forward? Yeah. Like, do you like fast forward through that? Like, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I guess just curious. Such a great question. Can
1: I um, we've, quick? we've
2: been getting this question actually yeah. a lot lately. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would just say they're very triggering for me. I mean, there is still something about sex that is very attractive. I mean, seeing a beautiful woman, totally naked, you know, with another man, like that stuff's triggering, you know, that, I have my, my whole life was filled with that. So I've had to be very careful to avoid things like that. I thought you were going to make a joke sometime about how we're just watching the Disney channel and stuff. I like was. That. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say like, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could be like, oh, it doesn't bother me. No big deal. I just close my eyes. But all that for me would be triggering the sound it would make if I just close my eyes. I mean, all that mm-hmm. stuff could really trigger me and go like, wow, like that was, um, something that I used and it was tasteful for so many years I was drawn to it so we've had to make some big modifications
2: yeah our whole life looks different you know it, it's not like we just you know decided to do a couple of changes no we are two completely different people mm-hmm. and we want to live a co- totally completely different lifestyle than we were before and so we know what we need to protect and so um, for us yeah we we watch um, Disney Channel like that's the only thing that's on our TV is Disney plus and we we know every Disney movie out there and um, that's pretty much all we watch yeah. <laughs> uh, we know it's clean we enjoy them they do great TV shows and films and um yeah that sounds, think,
1: that sounds kind of sad but we love we also I feel like but, we really enjoy. The life we have today without that in my life yep. my life yeah. was miserable as a living as with an addiction yeah and you know? i just
2: think everything i mean let's be honest like our culture loves sex and so everything yeah. that is produced right now like yeah it has it in there and yeah. um even it's like pg or something like
1: well I no mean, it's like tv 14 now it's crazy Can have nudity and all this stuff which i did not even know so the other day we started a tv show because i thought only tvma had nudity mm-hmm. and sex scenes and so we started a show, and it's said TV 14. And I'm like, oh, why is it rated that? And it said strong sexuality, nudity, and I'm like, oh, okay, can't watch this. And it's a bummer because I mean, there, I guess, there's really cool shows that we don't get to watch. Like even mm-hmm. right now there's a big thing with like the whole series, so like Yellowstone, right? Like a lot of people are into Yellowstone. And I started it. And I watched the first episode. There was nothing sexual in it, but I'm like, I know where this goes. Mm-hmm. Like pretty soon, I want to watch a show. And I, I went online I looked up like, hey, why is this rated TVMA? And it was like, there is strong sex in almost all the episodes. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I can't, I can't watch that stuff because I just, I can't go around it. There's something about being around it too. And and there's the part of the Bible that says, let your convictions be your own, right? I'm not telling everyone to do what I'm doing. I'm telling, I'm just saying what I need to do for me and for my well, marriage. And we and for know that there's a strong
2: enemy out there. I mean, it would be, it'd be a ridiculous to not address the spiritual realm of this. Like there's a true enemy out there who is prowling like a lion, ready to kill and destroy our marriage. He knows our weaknesses. He knows, he knows exactly what, you know, triggers us. And I always ask couples, I'm like, do you know your weaknesses better than the enemy does? And Mm. Because that is huge. If you don't know where your weaknesses are, then you're going to fall prey. And we just don't even dance with fire. Like, why would we dance in fire? It doesn't even Mm. make sense to us. So there's so many other things that we can enjoy. We love great Christian married sex books. I mean, goodness, if you want, you know, some healthy sex stuff, like read a great marriage sex book, you know, like um, married sex, the newest book out there right now by Deborah Folletta and gary thomas amazing book and uh we, we've been reading it every night together and we love it and yeah. it doesn't mean that you can't learn about sex and it doesn't mean that you can't um have those conversations it's just in a different yeah. realm where it's actually healthy and it's doing things productive in your marriage and it's doing and it's also giving you a true reality of what marriage is supposed yes. to be Can I say something and, about that? yeah because our culture is just i mean you guys we had such unhealthy, re- realistic expectations yep. of sex. Yep. Like our culture thinks yep. if, when, if, when you fill your mind with those types of TV yep. shows and you're in those movies, you, if you, that's what you're filling your mind with, that sex is then yeah. that's what you're going to expect sex to yeah. be like when you go in the bedroom. And yeah. so then you get into the bedroom it's like and that. it's not like that. You guys, no. you, he can't prop me up on a table. And she'd be say, she'd be saying, out.
1: I'm like, what? You it's you should like laying on the super hard table right now and
2: and I mean there's up. just what the heck, like you know, you know yeah. there's there's you get cramps and uh I can't even tell you how many times like I've gotten hit in the face or he's gotten hit in the face. We just start busting up and there's yeah. you know, farts and it's just it's not like Ew, movies. That's disgusting, you, don't, you don't just wake up. <laughs> And, you know, just like totally all of a sudden you're enamored with each other. And no, everyone has morning breath. My
1: gosh, mine's terrible. (laughs) But I I was going to say that. I just, I love you said that because. For me, that's what I found was happening. Like if I watch a movie and it has a sex scene, maybe I'm not going to go and look at pornography afterward or masturbate, but I'm going to compare charity to what I just saw. I'm going to compare me to the guy that I just saw who's who. I don't look like that i don't act like that i don't perform like that and what we learned is that sex in in everything about what the bible says about sex looks like it's black and white different from what movies say sex is sex is a transaction sex is about climax i'm I'm sorry from the from the uh from society's perspective it's like sex is about climax sex is about performance, mm-hmm. sex is about all these different things, there has to be euphoria, it has to be perfect, mm-hmm. and all these different things, it can even, and I, I mean, even some of the, some of the shows that came out, were webinar, like, when Game of Thrones came out, like, I didn't watch any of those, but, like, there was, like, brutality in sex that came out, mm-hmm. and that's where all these trends are going, my gosh, if you're doing that in the, in the marriage covenant, like, that's something different, you know what I'm saying, that's, that's not healthy, where someone's being hurt in the middle of a sexual experience, and so, I personally can't expose myself to that kind of stuff because then I bring it into the bedroom and it really taints what we have. And what we have is really beautiful. We have is amazing. We both really enjoy our sex life today. We're enjoying sex with one another. We look forward to it. We anticipate it. We, we both want it. I mean, gosh, heck I will say it, but just today we were in the kitchen chairs, like, Hey, want to go make love? And I'm like, yes. And I just think like, that's, I want that. And I, and I want to be able to be present. In the middle of that sexual experience not be thinking about something else mm-hmm. not be going to some scene or some woman or something else in the middle of our sexual experience so it has to be protected and with it for us it's worth protecting whatever whatever that means
3: yeah i think that is like you said it's so beautiful how like you guys have the most like not perfect but just amazing awareness of what's going on in our culture, in the media, um, what we're being fed. But at the same time, like, you know, I think this is going to be more directed towards you, Charity. Do you feel or ever felt maybe in the past resentful of the fact that you like can't watch some of these shows or um, do some of these things? And then furthermore, how do you build back that trust and um, or, or maybe you never did feel like any sort of um, resent um, in that regard, but yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. No, I definitely went through a stage of like resentment and I think it still actually really comes and goes like, you know, just the thought of like, I didn't do this to my marriage you know, and now I'm reaping the consequences. And I get that from women reaching out and saying like, why do I have to reap the consequences from his actions? And I get that. It is really, you know, I didn't expect my life to be like this. I didn't expect um, to, you know, have triggers. I I mean, you could take that into everything. I mean, I literally, cause our life has changed. We don't, when we go on vacation, we look up, you know what's the hotels that aren't gonna have tons of promiscuity and um, our entire world is different. The way that we uh, make decisions is different. The shows we watch, the people that we surround ourselves with. Um, it's completely different and it's protected. And so everything is going through a filter system. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it is definitely a commitment on a wife's end to know that she, her, her world's going to look different, but honestly, if I'm being honest with myself, like that is also a life that I believe is called to like purity and the kind of life that God wants us to already live. I mean, mm-hmm. we are to not be of the world. We're to be salt, which is completely mm. different to look different. And so I already, when I make those decisions, I can either look at them from like a resentful mindset, which sometimes I do. I'm human, I'm a sinner. Um, you know, I complain about certain things like, ah, I hate that we have to do this, you know, or I hate that I have to know this passcode on your phone. So for apps. Um, and I can get there and at the same time though, I can also choose to be like, okay, but this is what it looks like to be a believer, to lay down my cross, you know, to, um, or to pick up my cross, sorry, to pick up my cross. And, um, this is just the cross that I'm carrying and, and the way that I can show my husband Christ and the way that we can show other marriages Christ and the way that God wants us to live. He wants us to live a pure and blameless life. And I don't think, you know, my, my question always is. If God was in the room, would you be watching that? If, mm. you know, if God was in the room, would you be engaging in the things that you're doing? And I, I don't, I think most of the time people would be saying, no, you know, they wouldn't. And so, um, I more so now have kind of just shifted my perspective on it of just, you know, really more. So this is the the life that God has called me into now and how I can now use this as an example to be Christ to others. And even my husband.
3: Mm. No, that's that's really great. And um, yeah, I fully agree um, with that. And even just as someone in a dating relationship, um, what would be your advice to couples going through this, either dating or married? What would be your greatest piece of advice?
2: Gosh, I feel like there's so much advice I would want to give somebody. Um, but I, I would just say not to give up, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and that there's hope at the end of the tunnel. Like, let's just say, for example, we are talking to um, a married couple and they're walking down this road. Um, I, I personally would just let them know that there's hope at the end of the tunnel if you both are choosing um to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes and i truly believe that this can be the greatest testimony mm-hmm. um for Christ i mean really cuz there's every reason in the bible that says as a wife once this is found out you can leave like there is means that literally says you can leave and so if you are choosing to stay and you are choosing to restore your marriage, then people are going to look at you and be like, "Why did you stay? And how is your marriage restored?" Well, gosh, by by Christ, I mean, look at it. I mean, we—it's not like Clint and I did anything special. Yes, we we did certain. We read books, we did podcasts, we did groups, therapists, you name it. But ultimately, it was Christ that healed me, Christ who healed him, and then Christ who healed our marriage. Um, we both have very big God moments um, that were pivotal in our healing process and transformation process. So I really believe that God can do a mighty work and he wants to be displayed um, in this. And Mm -hmm. to remember that there is a real enemy out there who wants to, again, steal, kill, and destroy you as a person and your marriage. And uh, marriage is an incredible example to show Christ. And just for me, I always just reminded myself that I want to be on God's side and
1: rather than the enemy side yeah it's
2: good it's
1: really good yeah. About you? yeah i would say to someone who's dating i just wish that we knew about what we were really getting into before we entered into marriage you know if if i if i could go back and i if i was like let's say i was like giving advice to charity and i was the one she was dating also but it was like another i was somebody else i would be like hey charity like have you asked about pornography like been really like hey like where's your struggle at today? Can you please be honest with me and just tell me like, how big of a struggle is it in your life? I I know that most men struggle with it. I would Mm -hmm. like to just know where is your struggle at with it. And now we know it's not just men, right? There's like 40% of users on pornography sites are women. And so Mm -hmm. even having a conversation with both saying, Hey, like, where are you guys at with, with lust and where are you guys at with struggling with these things? And how often are you masturbating? You know, not, not making it a weird topic to like, all this taboo, like that's, that's what you guys specialize in, right? Is removing the taboo from these topics. And I just think realizing like, Hey, like, okay, most people struggle with masturbation. Where's your struggle at? Is it once a week? Is it every day? Do you do it as a routine? When you're in the shower, do you do it when you're waking up? Do you do put yourself to sleep at night? Like, do you do it once a month? Like, what is it for you? And, and what ties to it? Are you just having those talks about sexuality? Because if there's one thing that our our generation and the generation after a seas is that our sexuality is so tied to who we are as an individual. And so instead of avoiding it and trying to avoid the conversation, let's just have those conversations. And if pornography and masturbation and and you know lust and all these different things are a big part of our lives, why don't we really try to align ourselves with God's view of sex before we enter into marriage? Because you could save yourself a world of hurt if you're able to address these issues. I'm not saying to break up, I'm not saying not get married. I'm just saying before you enter into a marriage covenant, why don't we do the best job we can to really be ready for that and celebrate it? The the sad story is that when Cher and I first got first entered into sex on our wedding night, it was disappointing for both of us. And we entered into this sexual relationship that was super disappointing from the get go for like years. And it wasn't gratifying. In fact, this past, I would say, year, two years has been the first time the sex is really exciting for us. And you don't want to have that story of, you know, we're on a year, eight, six years of just like eh, sex. You want to have great sex. And the only way you can have great sex is by really aligning it with God's design for sex and also being willing to talk about our sexuality before we ever get married. It's kind of the goal.
0: So good. I guess just as a last question, do you guys have any resources you would recommend to people? Like whether that's books, courses, Podcast anything.
2: We love books. We too.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, so many. <laughs>
1: Go ahead, Cheers. Cheers. our bookworms. So oh my goodness.
2: Um, okay. So let's just start off with like women who are going through betrayal trauma in their marriage. Um, two main books that were radical for me. Um, is called Intimate Deception by Dr. Sherry Kepfer. And then Your, your, uh, your Sexually Addicted Spouse by Barbara um, Barbara Steffens and Marsha Means. So, um, both of those books for betrayal trauma, for sure. Um, and then also, um,
1: Julie's books, I
2: would say, yeah. So just even like, somebody who's single or just wants to learn more about god's view and design for sex i would say hopping on over to authentic intimacy and uh, listening to the java with julie uh podcast and reading all of her books she has an amazing book called rethinking sexuality which is incredible uh, and then also she has a new book coming out it's called god sex in your marriage i think that's the like title and it i mean you Still guys get... it is such a good book yeah and uh, it talks about things that we talked about god's design for sex and it totally uh, radically like changed us and everything yeah. that we believe in so um i would say those would be like my top recommendations yeah. What about you? yeah
1: for guys struggling with pornography i think there is great resources out there um there's a thing called pure desire which is great it has some groups and some podcasts where they t- i think it's the pure victory podcast or something like that I'm I'm bitchering that one, but, uh, but if you go to pure desire, they'll have their podcast there. Um, my buddy, Matt Klein has an amazing ministry. It's called restored ministries. Um, another friend of mine, Jonathan Doherty, be broken ministries. These are great resources for just Christ centered pornography help. Um, and uh, and I would say they're they're a great places to start. Faithful and true. Unfaithful, yeah. Faithful and true for sure.
2: Yeah, with um, Mark and Debbie Laser. Yeah,
1: and then just stuff that we've created too. You know, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that or if this is where we should talk about that. Is this where we should talk about that.
3: Yeah. Plug your TikTok, please.
2: (laughs) Please.
1: We have not been on that TikTok website forever.
2: Uh, It started um, getting, like, really raunchy because everybody was going on it. And so we, like, got off it a year ago, but... So yeah, we're not on there anymore, but um, so our, but we do lots of reels now on our um restored in, to more Instagram. Instagram.
1: Yeah, so so we started the podcast about just kind of being. Uh, we wanted to make it a guest podcast, so we interviewed some incredible people on the podcast, all about these topics of sexual addiction, betrayal, trauma, uh, really re- restoring a marriage to Christ centered after it goes through sexual brokenness. Um, We have online courses that we take couples through. So if a couple was like, hey, how do we work through this? How do we understand what the other spouse is going through? That's what our courses were created for. So go on there and check those out. Um, And uh, it's a great place to start for sure.
3: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our episode with Charity and Clinton. We had a wonderful conversation and we're so grateful for them and the time they spent with us. As always, we welcome you to uh, leave any questions, comments, or concerns um, in our DMs on Instagram at theholyship.podcast or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and thank you again so much for listening.